The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Mark chapter 5, starting in verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and in the country. And people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion, sitting there clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. Everyone marveled. This morning, what we see in the text is an incredible picture of a before and an after. And the realization and the reminder for us that Jesus has the power to change anyone. Jesus has the power to change anyone. As we've been working through the gospel of Mark, we worked through chapters uh, 1, but especially 2 and 3, we sort of traced a thread through that of Jesus' authority. If you had, could sort of give a theme to chapters 4 and to chapters 5, I believe it would be the power of Jesus' word. So we've seen the authority of Jesus. 
chapters 2 and 3. And then here in 4 and 5, we see the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus' word. We've, we've seen it as Jesus gave illustration to it in chapter 4 of it being a seed. And how that seed can grow. We saw the power of Jesus' word to calm a storm last week. And this morning we see the power of Jesus' word now in a man possessed by some 2,000 demons. And here is the question for you this week. The question is, do you really believe that Jesus has the power to change anyone? No matter who they are, no matter what they do or what they've done, do you believe that Jesus has the power to change any heart, to change any person? Do you believe that Jesus has the power to change you. And there are some who have descended so low in sin that you believe that you cannot be delivered. You think, Jason, if you knew the misery I'm in, the bondage that I'm in, the times I've tried to change and failed, if you knew me, you wouldn't say that. But the message today is that I may not know you, but I do know Jesus. And what we see this morning is that Jesus has the power to change any person. The same Lord that calmed the stormy sea can calm a stormy soul with just the power of his word. Let's look at the text this morning and see the, the before and after, Mark chapter 5. Well, they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. Jesus and his disciples have now sailed across the Sea of Galilee, and they have landed on the other side of the sea in what would probably be modern-day Kersey. In Jesus' time, it would have been a city called Gersa, and it would be next to a larger town called Gadara, but it's in this region known as the Gerasenes or the Decapolis. This is an area that really was a, a melting pot, primarily considered a, a Gentile area. There were Jews in this area, but these were Jews who were, were mingling and mixing and marrying um, Gentiles. So where Jesus finds himself with his disciples now is in a place that was despised by devout Jews that would have been considered unclean because of the Gentiles who lived in that area. This, this is not a place like they've left. They've, they've come to a place that was unclean. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles into pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. And night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. Mark tells us that just as soon as Jesus lands, he is approached by an unsightly person. A man coming out of the tombs. Mark does not tell us this, but Luke tells us that this man was naked. This is a man who would have been covered in sores. He would have been bloody. He would have been aching. He was cutting himself with stones. Mark tells us this is a man who spent his time predominantly screaming, crying out. This is a man in misery. This is a man in isolation, a man that is more at home among the dead than he is among the living. He's living among the tombs. This is a man that the town doesn't know what to do with. They've tried. They've tried to subdue him over and over and over again, even to the point of shackling him and chaining him, yet they have been unable because of the supernatural strength given to him by these demons that have possessed him. Now, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Jesus' disciples. You have just... You've just crossed the sea in the middle of the night in the middle of a hurricane. You have just been afraid of your life. You've just been delivered from the fear of a sure death, delivered over to the fear of a living God. And I can imagine... There probably had never been a sweeter time for them to put their feet on solid ground. And they think, whew, that's behind us. And immediately, they're met with this man and they find themselves with Jesus in a pretty rough spot for a Jew, right? Jesus' disciples, all devout Jews, they found themselves in a rough spot here. They're in a Gentile region. It's unclean there. They're encountering a demon-possessed man. He's unclean. They're among the tombs. Those are unclean. Dead people are unclean. And there's a huge herd of pigs nearby. And pigs are unclean. You see the theme happening here of where they find themselves. They find themselves in a place that no Jew would want to be. In a Gentile area, confronted with a man possessed by demons who's been living among the dead and is unclean. And there's 2,000 pigs nearby and they're all unclean. And they find themselves here with Jesus who is about to do battle in an unclean place with an unclean man who is inhabited by unclean spirits out of one storm and into another. But Jesus versus all the power of uncleanness is a blowout victory for Jesus by just his word. 
Mark says, and when this man saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Verse 6. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you, I beg you, by God, do not torment me. Because Jesus was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Now, the progression here is, is a little difficult. It seems that as they're getting close in the boat, Jesus already begins to proclaim to this man, come out of this man, you unclean spirits. And the man hears Jesus, sees Jesus, and comes to Jesus and falls before Jesus' feet. Now, I want you to look at the juxtaposition here between Jesus' disciples and these demons. There's a lot of juxtaposition in this story. And here's the first, right? I mean, think back to how chapter 4 ended. Chapter 4, verse 41, and they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him, right? So they have a question, like, who is this man? I mean, they've been around Jesus. They've, they've seen um, some, some glimpses into his power, but they haven't even seen, and they don't even know the, the half of it. And now all of a sudden they see something that they've never seen before, something that, that goes beyond any natural comprehension. And their response is, who is this guy? That's, that's how chapter 4 ends. Who is this man? And then here is chapter 5 beginning with a demoniac, a man with thousands of demons and these demons speaking through him, saying, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? What the disciples didn't know, the demons did know. And they addressed Jesus as who he is, the son of the most high God. This is a title that speaks to the absolute sovereignty of God over all other powers. To say that God is the most high God means that he is above, he is over, he is sovereign over all other powers. This is how you see it used throughout the scriptures loads of places. I will just give you three this morning. Genesis 14, verses 19 and 20. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. Who is the God most high? He is the possessor of heaven and earth. What does that mean? That means that all of heaven and all of earth belong to him and are under his control. He is the God most high. He is the one who is able to deliver over your enemies. All of heaven and all of earth and all of these enemies are under the control of the sovereign God. Psalm 47, 2, for the Lord... The most high is to be feared a great king over all the earth. That God is the king. He is the sovereign ruler over all the earth. Psalm 57, 2. 
I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. The God most high, sovereign over the affairs of men, directing the course of men's lives to fulfill his purposes. He is Sovereign, He is all-powerful and he is over all things. And this man knows who Jesus is. These demons have known him and they know his power and have known his power since the moment they were created by him. And they know he is sovereign over all things. He is the son of the most high God. And you also see this juxtaposition between this human man and these spiritual demons that possess him. You see this man running to Jesus and falling before him. That's a human response. And you see these demons crying out, literally shrieking. It seems to me from the text that this is an image, this is a picture of this man being torn apart. That he knows, I've got to get to this man and fall before him. The language here of falling at his feet is is the same language of worship. Versus these demons in him crying out and shrieking. Now, I don't want to read too much into this. But it seems to me that the man knew that Christ could deliver him. And yet he shook with dread at the possible consequences. He was running to him. But he was shrieking in fear. As I thought about that, I thought, man, what an image of the human heart. No man yields to Jesus easily by his nature. And while it is true that not all people are demon-possessed, all are ruled by dark and sinister forces. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. And once you once walked, following the course of this world, following the the prince, the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All people, every person by nature does not yield easily to Jesus. Our sin leads us to rebellion. In our sin, we are following after the evil one. Every person. Every person. Church, that's not a popular message, but it's a biblical one, and it's one that we must understand. Now, I'm not a counselor. I thank the Lord that we have multiple counselors in this church. Because they can do the counseling for me. But I have heard it said, that, and y'all can correct me, that, that the first step of recovery is admitting you have a problem. 
that also holds true theologically. To be saved, to be redeemed by Jesus Christ, you must understand the depth and the depravity of your sin and your need for a Savior. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot come to Jesus unless you understand the depth and the depravity of your wicked heart. That by nature... You're children of wrath. By nature, by the sin that has ruled since Adam, by your nature, you've set yourself up against him in rebellion. You must come to him because you know in him you find what your soul needs the most. That's what this happens in this man as he runs and falls down before Jesus. Jesus asks him in verse verse 9, what what is your name? What's your name? And he's speaking directly to to these demons. And they replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion, a legion, a Roman legion was a a group of soldiers numbering 6,000. 6,000. This this is a lot of demons that have possessed this man. We we find out that it's it's at least 2,000 demons that have possessed this man. And they begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. And that's weird. Jesus certainly had the power to do with them whatever he wanted. He, he certainly could have sent them anywhere he would like to into the abyss of God's judgment. But they didn't want to leave the, this country. Why? Because this is a pagan country. This is a Gentile area. And, and the forces of evil and, and demons are at home and are doing their work in pagan false religions. And so they don't want to leave this area. And there was a great herd of pigs feeding on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs and let us enter them. And there's been a whole lot into this and, and, and why, why they wanted to go to the pigs, and does that mean that demons have to, you know, sort of be in possession of something and... Just to be honest with you, I don't know. But Jesus gave them permission to go into the pigs. And so they, they came out of this man and they entered into the pigs. And the herd numbering about 2,000 pigs rushed down the steep bank into the sea and they drowned in the sea. This is crazy. And we read that and we go, why in the world did that happen? Why was there a great, you know, swine aside that took place here with 2,000 pigs dying? We don't know. We don't know why. We don't know why. We do know that one human life is worth more than 2,000 pigs. We also know that these pigs were there to eventually be butchered and they would have met their end anyway. 
there's a lot of people read into this and, and they, you know, they have a love for animals and they're like, whoa, I don't want to be a part of, of a God who would kill 2,000 pigs. But the pigs were going to be killed anyway. I mean, they, they, weren't, they weren't raising pigs to live their best lives now. They were raising pigs to eat them. <laughs> But I think what happened here certainly was purposeful because it does give us a visual sign of the viciousness that inhabited this man. It was a visible sign that gave evidence of his deliverance and the demon's purposes to destroy. Right? Had the demons just left and and went, how would anybody have known that they went? Right? They could have just been hibernating and faking in this guy until Jesus leaves. But if they all flood out of him and flood into some pigs, and then all of these pigs rush down this hillside and into the sea and drown, like there's no disputing something crazy's happened here, right? And you see this visible picture of the viciousness and the desire to destroy and the desire to kill that these demons had. And this clear evidence that they've now left this man. Just the power of Jesus' word come out of this man. And he gave them permission. This is the before A man possessed by thousands of demons, a man in agony, in isolation, in desperation, a man in need of deliverance that no one could bring him. They had tried and they had failed. I think that's why Mark tells us they've tried to bind him and they couldn't bind him. They've tried to help this man and no one could do it. But Jesus can do what others cannot do. And I don't know what you think about Jesus, but I can tell you this. Jesus is not weak. He is not a long-haired hippie. He is not weak. He is the all-powerful son of the most high God. And simply at his word, thousands of demons obey. This is the before. Here is the after. The herdsmen fled. That's an understatement. I mean, if you're looking after the pigs and the pigs shriek, yeah, you're going to run too. So they run and they told it in the city and in the country and the people came to see what it was that had happened And they came to Jesus and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, now sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, look at the contrast from being unable to control this man, unable to bind this man, this man living among the dead, crying out on the mountains, now sitting from naked Luke tells us that bleeding sore ridden unkept unruly 
to clothed. From out of his mind screaming day and night in agony to in his right mind. This is what Jesus can do. This is the change Jesus can make. And he can make it in anyone. That's what we see. And the townspeople came and they see. And just like the disciples on the sea, they are afraid. Who is this man that can do what no other could do? Verse 16, and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. There's another startling contrast. Isn't it? The one who was outside the city, the one who was outside the town, the one who was outside the camp, the one who was among the dead, the one who was counted as lost, the one who had no hope, is now the one who has faith. The one who was among the dead is now the one who has life. And the others, they continue in their unbelief. Man, this makes me scared to just be a part of the crowd. And Jesus, we don't want you here. We don't want you here. And as he was getting into his boat to leave, the man who had been possessed by the demons begged him that he might be with him. Now, there, there is, there's a lot of, of you see this, this sort of theme of begging, right? The demons begged him, please don't torture us, don't cast us out of the country. The townspeople begged him to leave, and now the formerly demon-possessed man is begging him, begging him that he might be able to stay with him. The reality here that we see in verse 18 is when Jesus changes you, you want to be with him. You want to be with him. Verse 19, but he did not permit him, but he said to him, instead, now go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. Talk about a before and an after. Now this man goes from one who had no hope, isolated, being destroyed, naked, filled with wounds, to a missionary. This is the power of Jesus. He can do what no other man can do. He can bring change in hearts and in people and in places where it looks and it seems like all hope is lost. Do 
you believe Jesus has the power to change anyone? That's the simple question this morning. Do you believe Jesus has the power to even change you? He is the Son of the Most High God. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.